Welcome to Sci-Fi with Jesse Mercury. Holy shit, this episode is a lot of fun. So as you all know, I am like a total Star Trek nerd, and I went out and found myself another total Star Trek nerd, and then we went and had ourselves just about the nerdiest conversation imaginable. Uh, It's going to be a two-parter because we talked for hours, and it just jumps all over the Star Trek universe, uh, back and forth between all sorts of different stuff, and it's super fucking fun, and I'm I'm really excited about it. So Ian, thank you for coming on the show. I do have to say, uh, you know, on the last episode, I mentioned that I was going to try to get Sci-Fi on trial out by last Friday, considering that it's now Wednesday. That did not happen. So a whole bunch of stuff happened. I lost a bunch of free time that I thought I had for other awesome shit. Uh, so Sci-Fi on trial still not out yet. I'm going to stop even saying when it's coming out because I'm just going to release it uh, one of these days. and <laughs> I want to stop missing my own deadlines. It's still coming. Still coming. I also, I also have to point out that this episode you're about to listen to was recorded about two weeks ago, uh, and just days ago, we learned that a new Star Trek series is going to be produced, which is just earth-shattering, mind-blowing, incredible news. It's either going to be the best or the worst thing that's ever happened to me. <laughs> uh, but when Ian and I sat down and had this conversation, we had no idea that a new Star Trek series was about to reveal itself. Ian and I actually talked a lot about how much we want Star Trek to come back on TV and what we would want to see on the show. So let's jump into this conversation. Star Trek extravaganza. Thank you so much for coming. Yeah. I haven't done a, a whiskey podcast in a while, so well, I'm, I'm pretty excited about that. <laughs> it's it's Star Trek, so of course we have to drink. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, yeah, so I'd been doing... We, we just had this discussion, but we're going to have it again uh, on the record this time. So, <laughs> so I've been doing the... Or the episodes with Audrey, where we go through season by season for Next Generation. Right. And we had to pause that because Netflix re-released all of the Next Generation in high def. So she and I both started re-watching. And I'm almost done with season two, so then I just have to watch season three, and we'll be back with Audrey with that whole thing. Uh, but I wanted to continue something with Star Trek, because I'm just just crazy obsessed with Star Trek. It's the thing that I love <laughs> the most. And I've been wanting to get you on the show for a while, and this just seemed like the perfect time to do it because you, I think you, <laughs> I'm a little obsessed. I think you might be more obsessed <laughs> than me. I think you might know more about Star Trek than I do. That's, I mean, I de- actually, I take that back. You definitely know more about Star Trek <laughs> than I do. I think we could probably go toe to toe on next generation, but on Star Trek as a whole, I think you know all of it just about as well as I know next generation. What do you think? Do you think that's true? I think that's that's reasonable. I've I've been in two uh, trivia things, you know, like at a bar. You know, uh-huh. Lucy Drink was one, and then Larry Nemechek did oh, one wow. after um, Emerald City Comic Con a few years ago, and and uh, I kind of swept those. Yeah, <laughs> I was <laughs> like at the Larry Nemechek one. Okay, so he actually had um, this clip that was a deleted scene that Armin Shimmerman had given him from uh, Star Trek Insurrection. Whoa. 
where Worf shows up or uh, Quark shows up and like gets hassled by Worf. I've seen that. Yeah, and he shows up and he's got like, you know, a uh, Davo girl on each arm and I think he's I've talking seen about like uh you know, where where a great place for a casino would be and that kind of thing. Like on the planet? Yeah. On, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. I've definitely <laughs> seen that. Yeah. And uh so I, you know, thinking with with Star Trek night in mind, I was like, well, you, you got to let me, I've, I've got a thumb drive on me. Like yeah. we can make this happen. And he was like, well, I'll tell you what, if you, if you win, like, cause he would, you would give out a ticket for every correct, you know, like every, every answer you got. Right. Uh-huh. Uh, and he said, okay, if you get 20 tickets, I'll give you a copy. And then I, I totally got more than 20 <laughs> tickets, but he never gave me the copy. Wow. So, Wouldn't um, pick. I didn't mean it. I've never met him. Really, really nice guy. That was actually where I uh, I met a few people who I ran into again at Star Trek Las Vegas this last August. That was my first Star Trek convention, believe it or not. Just this year? Yeah. Wow. So it was nice, like, already knowing people who were there. Who was there? Should I be saying full names? I can, I can cut it out. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we'll edit it in post. I'll just translate all of their names into Klingon and no one right. will understand. I met more people. Enterprise Extra, Jim Morehouse. Do you know who he is? <laughs> I don't know who that is. He, was, he, he won a contest to be on an episode of Enterprise. Oh, I heard about that contest. Yeah. And he won it. He was in, um, uh, it was the second of the, have you watched Enterprise? Oh, yeah. Okay. Twice. So, you know, in the fourth season, there's like a trilogy of Vulcan ones. Uh-huh. Um, he was in the second one of those, and he was like in the tactical station because Malcolm was down on the planet. Uh-huh. And so he got to fire the phasers. Oh, my God. And, like, so there jealous. was a There was an explosion over his head of one of the consoles <laughs> of the ship got hit, and he had to Whoa. dodge that. And, That's cool. Um, yeah, it was pretty good. <laughs> uh, going back to that, that deleted scene of Quark. Yes. When I had Nemesis or Insurrection on DVD... The DVD menu had hidden buttons on it where if you press like a certain combination or went in a certain direction on the menu with your with your remote, you could actually find hidden content. And the hidden content was the deleted scene of Quark on the planet. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's interesting. That's I'm pretty sure that's where I saw that. Either that or my memory's wrong because <laughs> I have a terrible memory. Uh, but let's so the, the main thing I want to talk to you about. Uh, Mr. Ian Adams is the red shirts because you <laughs> are the leader of a group of Seattle Star Trek aficionados. Well, actually, that's not really true. I mean, you are yeah. you expl- you'll explain this better than me. Well, it, it all started off. Um, my friend Marlon, who I went to, I just met him in college uh, five years ago, and he uh, he had only really seen Next Generation and we were driving around. Well, yeah. And uh, uh, we were just driving around, and I was I was thinking, like, you know what would be cool? It would be to just, like, watch all of Star Trek. You know, like, in the order that it was aired, you get, like, the sort of full cultural experience. And, and here I am hitting the boom mic. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so that was that was the sort of genesis in it. Because when it started off, it was just um, me and him and his girlfriend at the time, and then my friend Eric and his girlfriend at the time. And uh, Eric dropped out fairly early on. Uh, I mean, he would show up every now and again, but just wasn't a, a real regular. For a while, just it was me and Marlon and Laura. Uh, but eventually what I started doing was I would just tell people like, hey, 
you should come over on, you know, at the time it was Tuesday nights, now it's Thursday nights. Um, you know, we do a Star Trek night. Why don't you come hang out? We're, you know, give the spiel of like, we're just starting from the beginning. Because what we're doing is is going through it, like I said, in, in the order that everything was either aired or released in cinema. Yeah. So, you know, we started off with, um, you know, the original series, went through that, then did the animated series, the first four movies, then Next Generation started, did a couple seasons of that, Star Trek V, more seasons of Next Generation, Star Trek VI. Uh, when DS9 started, then we would start mixing those in. Yeah, and it's um, all by release date, so you have yeah. an exact way to go. Right. Like you, Even if it aired the same week, you can say this episode of Next Generation aired before this episode of Deep Space Nine, so you're watching them like as it... As if you were, you know, watching when they were originally released. Exactly. Seeing it in the order that America, uh, the world, saw it, which Basically, is such yeah. a cool idea. <laughs> because Star Trek has been, it's always been so tied into pop culture, and it's been so tied into the time in which it was released. So being able to watch it in order of release date, and also maybe keep in mind, like, the year and what else was happening around that. Right. Um, it changes how you see it, for sure. Uh, I first heard about this through my friend Victoria and I came to the first Star. my first Star Trek night was actually a really cool night because it was around the holidays and it was a, a white elephant gift oh, exchange. Yes. So I had no idea what I was getting into, but I just heard <laughs> I, she posted something up online saying, Hey, I'm going to Star Trek night. Who's interested? And I saw it on Facebook. I was like, Holy shit. Star Trek night, I am fucking interested, you know? <laughs> I am very Engage. fucking interested. <laughs> so uh, so I came and I brought a white elephant gift, uh, not knowing what I was getting into, but people yeah. had really elaborate gifts, like really cool Star Trek do gifts. Do you remember what you got? I do. I got a, uh, I got an, a raccoon. I can show it to you. <laughs> it's, like a, it's like a raccoon ornament. It's about a foot tall. I've posted pictures of it on Instagram, and I... Someone someone unwrapped this raccoon, and I knew that Victoria was the one who had given it because she started laughing as soon as she saw it. <laughs> and the person who got it, the look on their face was like, "Why the fuck did I just get a raccoon?" You know. <laughs> <laughs> so then I, because I was new and I I was like not invested in what was happening, right. I I stole the raccoon so that that other person could have another chance. And then I was hoping that Victoria would not feel bad about having brought something that the first person didn't seem excited about. Oh right. Um, but and I also really wanted that fucking raccoon because I just seen Guardians <laughs> of the Galaxy for the first time. Oh yeah, I just saw that last weekend for the first time. Really? Yeah. What'd you think? It was really fun. It's great, isn't it? Really, really fun. Yeah. Yeah, I like it a lot. I mean, the movie, the whole movie is really good. But then there's these two magical moments. The We Are Groot moment. Oh right. It's right. so beautiful. And then the moment where they all come together and hold hands, like, to what happened? I don't even remember what happened. I've seen it several <laughs> times. Anyway. Uh, Getting off track here. So I went to the Star Trek night, and I was really impressed by... It just seemed like it had this real sense of like camaraderie and family uh, just all surrounding Star Trek, which is... I mean, I was just giddy the whole night just <laughs> to see this cool thing happening surrounding one of my favorite things. I think I even cooked up a ham that night. You did, and it was so good. <laughs> there was a whole fucking ham. Ham and Star Trek and good times. It was a really magical night. And I've been to five, maybe five of these things since then. But it's been about a year. Yeah. That's just, I've had five free Thursdays in the last year. <laughs> yeah. The, well, the whole thing's been going on for five years now. Yeah. So uh, and, and we're just starting Enterprise, which will probably be 
you know, done within here within a couple months. Uh, so that will make it a five-year mission. Wow. <laughs> That's so cool. completely unplanned, but you know, there you are. Yeah. Cause you, you do skip some weeks when, you know, you're working too much or something else is going on. Yeah. Uh, but it's been mostly every week for, since I've been introduced to this for the last year. Yeah. Uh, and obviously you've been doing it for a lot, a lot longer than that. Tell me about your point of view when you put these events on. Like, what are you thinking? What do you want to have happen at the event? Uh, well, a lot of it is um, people who have not seen, you know, a particular show before. Like Marlon had only seen Next Generation. Um, there's some people who had only seen Voyager. Almost nobody had seen Deep Space Nine, which is my wow. favorite. And yeah. That was a real treat to be able to experience, like, the whole sweep of the story with someone, you know, who had not seen it before. Yeah. Um, and we, we even had... Um, in my opinion, that the best episode from Deep Space Nine in the Pale Moonlight, mm -hmm. um, that one, there was like, it was a special, like, no talking, you know, <laughs> if you if you talk, you have to go outside and, uh, you know, we'll let you back in when you're not talking. Right. Um, you know, and then rewind so that everyone can watch because, like, there is not a single wasted moment in that episode. It's all it's all important to drive the the overall plot of not just that episode, but the entire series right. forward. Yeah, if anyone doesn't remember, In the Pale Moonlight is the episode where Cisco and Garrick basically trick the Romulans into joining the war against the Dominion. And it's it's a really big moment in Star Trek history yeah. because it's it's the episode where, for the first time, people that you love are doing something that's actually kind of despicable right. for the greater good. And Picard would not do that. No, he totally wouldn't. No, absolutely not. <laughs> I mean, if you watch iBorg, Picard has the opportunity to do something despicable and wipe out the Borg, and he decides not to do it because right. he he can't. Because his morals are just so strong, and he's just such a resolute person that he can't. But Cisco was entrenched in a war that we never saw Picard in. Like, we never saw yeah. Picard in a similar situation where he's right. been in a war for years and he's seen... Even though presumably he would have been in the Cardassian War with the Stargazer. Oh, God, that would have been rad to see. Mm -hmm. That would have been really cool. But the Cardassian War was not super long as far as I understand. Yeah, and probably not nearly as bloody as the Dominion War. Right. The Dominion War just kind of decimated yeah. the Federation. Uh, and then Cisco has an opportunity to turn the tide by getting the Romulans as allies... And it gives us like the best memeable moment of it's, it's a fake. fake. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm hoping actually to have that be my costume for Star Trek Las Vegas next year. <laughs> if I want to go as Senator Vreenak. Like holding the thing. Yeah, all day I got to get an isolinear data rod. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Something that really struck me about Star Trek Night was that there's this weird disconnect happening between the people who want to show up and drink and party and hang out and the people that are there to really watch. Right. And that's something that I've noticed more and more the more I go. And I always find myself in the middle because I've seen it all. Sure. And for me, sitting down with a bunch of people and having a couple drinks and watching Star Trek is just a dream come true, yeah. you know? And I want to like talk and experience like the, the event in a social way. But I also really want to see the episode and I really want to enjoy it with people in real time. So I don't know what to think because there's kind yeah. of, I feel like there's kind of two ways of going about it. And I see like the, so the same people every week want, just want to get 
drunk and the same people every right. week just want to like really watch the show. Yeah, and it and it's it's definitely a balancing act because um, like we have a drinking game with it. Right. The, the genesis of the drinking game was really so that people would pay attention to what's going on. Oh, interesting. On the screen, right? Because I gotta like, say, I don't think it's working. Well. <laughs> There's a lot of drinks. People are getting really <laughs> drunk. Yeah, like my first time there because I don't. I'm. I don't drink. Uh, I'm gluten free. I don't drink beer. Right. I really don't drink wine that much. I'm like a whiskey guy. And I remember Kevin just being like, "You don't want to bring whiskey," because yeah. I brought oh. my Star Trek flask full right. of whiskey to Star Trek night. He's like, "You're gonna have die." The <laughs> you, you, you do, yeah. Because <laughs> uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of drinks. Okay, okay. Yeah. tell us the rules of the drinking game. Oh my god. We, well, do you have a few hours? We do. We got all the time. <laughs> um, so there's there's like a general category that applies to all of the series, and then each series has its own uh, specific yeah. rules. Let's do the generals. What's the general for all, all series? Um, well, you've got stuff like... Uh, you know, whenever there's a red alert, you got to say red alert, like Riker. <laughs> red <then> alert! <laughs> and then drink. Um, or there's a, you know, whenever um, Vulcan does a mind meld or, you know, the Borg assimilates someone. Mm-hmm. Whenever the prime directive is mentioned, whenever there's a new alien, sentient alien species. So if it's not a sentient species, then fuck it. Right, yeah. Like if, <laughs> if you're just seeing a Targ for the first time, that's not going to count for the drink. Do you think a Targ has a neocortex? Do you think it's capable of abstract thought? <laughs> it, it might be. <laughs> I mean, think about it, right? Because they, they had the Klingon, the human augment virus, right? So mm, maybe that. Yeah. You know, we, we. Do you think that affected the Targs? Do you think that they be, just right? like, like the dogs that are acting as Targs? There's animal human. <laughs> disease, you know, crossings all the time. That's right? true. Bird flu. The, <laughs> swine swine flu. Right. Targ flu. Targ flu. <laughs> <laughs> okay, continue. Um, I, can I, I have to interrupt with my favorite rule, which is whenever Ian nerds out, oh, yeah. everyone has to drink. Because yeah, you... And it'll happen. Yeah. It happens a lot. <laughs> and, but you, every time you nerd out, it's very sincere. Like something will happen oh, yeah. and, and you just really sincerely want everyone to know what's going on and you're kind of you've kind of taken on the role of a star trek educator at star trek night for the yeah. people who haven't been there before you'll point things out and say this is important you know pay attention to this when we right. see this will come up later so ian nerding out everyone has to drink yeah uh one of my favorites is um whenever the ship gets hit by weapons fire and the consoles explode because they don't have fuses in the future mm. that's a drink wait they don't have fuses in the future? That's Well, why apparently not, because all the consoles are exploding. Oh, That's like okay. the thing that fuses are there for. I thought you were dropping some deep Star Trek knowledge no. for a second. <laughs> I was really excited. I was like, do you have an explanation for why the consoles always explode? <laughs> no, it must be that they don't have fuses. It's because it looks cool. Yeah, That's well, why. clearly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, give me, a, give me a second of dead air time here. Oh, do you have it? Yeah. Oh, sweet. <laughs> We have a fucking list, people. He's pulling it up on Facebook. Yeah, we we have a secret group on Facebook uh, specifically for the red shirts that, um, you know, that's where we do all of the evite, uh, event invites, all of the, um, you know, files, like the rules, um, you know, whenever there's special things. Like, do you remember when they were releasing the Blu-rays and they would have these cinema nights where you would watch a couple episodes? Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like for we, next generation. Yeah, we would. Yeah, I've talked about those. that on the show. That was amazing. That was one of my favorite things that's ever happened. Oh, totally. In life. Um, and we we would go to those and you know, end up taking up an entire row. That's so cool. And I didn't know you guys then. And, I would have and we snuck in alcohol too. It was great. Oh, you did? <laughs> um, I, I wish I'd known you all back then. Right? Yeah. It would have been great. Um, yeah. yeah. Oh, and you know why those stopped? It's because someone at CBS like had a, a, a fit. Well, it was, it was Cliff Bowl in particular. It was Cliff Bowl? Yeah. The, 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 the guy director? after whom, yeah, the director after whom... The Bullion species was named. They're, oh, of course they're named um, after Cliff Bull. Right. Yeah. I never they put even, that together. Even on Bullia, they have this uh, geographical region called the, or geological region called the Cliffs of Bull. Really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's not heavy handed or anything. But anyway, um, he got upset because he was not getting residuals yeah. from those. Ugh. Um, and so because he rose a stink about it, they stopped doing it all together. And then the real kicker is that just like a couple months later, he died. Oh, my God. So it didn't even matter anyway. That's so frustrating. I was devastated when they didn't do anything past season three. Oh, God. Well, they, they did. Uh, the, so the, when Next Generation was released on Blu-ray, for each season, they would do this special event in theaters that I've talked about on the show before, where they'd show a couple episodes in theaters and then a bunch of like cool special features about how they... Uh, created these new Blu-ray versions. Right. And the last one they did was Best of Both Worlds, part oh, one yeah. and two. As as a, cut together as a single episode. Right. So uh, cliffhanger of season three, first episode of season four. And it was fantastic. I, and then they stopped doing it after that. And I really thought they were going to do Redemption next. Oh, God, that would have been so it good, It would have right? been so great. Yeah, this, the or, cliffhanger or like if, of season four. Or like if you could have seen uh, Yesterday's Enterprise. Oh, my the God. They screen. totally would have done Yesterday's oh. Enterprise. But they did Measure of a Man when they did season two, and they did the extended version. Which was amazing. Yeah, which fixed all of – it fixed my main issue with that episode, which was that there wasn't enough data Geordie time. Right. Because they added that one extra scene that was just so great. All right, are you there? Did you find all the rules? Yeah, we've got them. Okay, here uh, we go. Whenever rules, someone, rules for Star Trek night, for <laughs> drinking game. Uh, whenever someone says, I'm a blank, not a blank. Yeah. <laughs> that's a drink, right? Because they always play off of that because McCoy always said that. Right. Um uh, whenever a three D space uh, a three D chess set is seen on screen, oh. um, that just made the weirdest noise. Oh, <laughs> whenever there's space Nazis drink, that's that's specifically aliens wearing Nazi uniforms, which is a lot, a lot. <laughs> it happens a lot, <laughs> a lot, a lot. I mean, even as far it happens on Voyager, it happens on Enterprise, right? Yeah, the original series, of, of course. course, the original series. Oddly, not the Next Generation. And I don't think it happened in Deep Space Nine no either. DS9 either. Yeah. But we're three for five. Right. It's pretty good. It's, yeah. Space Nazis. Three right. for five. Um, whenever someone issues an attack pattern or evasive pattern order, mm. um, you're supposed to shout the name of the pattern, like, you know, like attack pattern, pattern Delta. Delta. Yeah. And, and then drink. <laughs> uh, whenever the auto-destruct sequence is initiated. Uh, cool. Um, whenever the commanding officer says, report. Uh, the other one here is... It's it's kind of a pet peeve of mine, and it's not just Star Trek that's guilty of this. A lot of um, sort of procedural, you know, military and cop shows will also do this, where they'll always say, with all due respect. <laughs> right? And it's like, no, you should only get one right. with all due respect per teleplay. Yeah. Like, just, that's well, it. That's, that's your quota. Maybe three per season. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. I I, I could definitely get behind that. Yeah. Um, 
Whenever someone says that's an order, that's a drink. What about permission to speak freely, sir? Is that a drink? No, but that should be. Should be. be. <laughs> permission to speak freely. And then, like, especially if uh, they get denied, that would be, like, two drinks. Wow. Yeah. That's yeah. never happened. Um, permission denied. Never happened. I can't think of a single time that permission to speak freely was met with a no. I feel like it has been. Really? Probably Cisco doing it. All right, if you're listening to this, let us know. Yeah, because that's another drink is if I'm wrong, everyone has to drink. <laughs> so let's, let's say if, uh, if it did happen, if someone said permission to speak freely and someone denied it, everyone has to drink. Everyone right now. In the world. In the world. Not even just listeners, like everyone. So if that ever happened on the show, please let us know. Uh, I'm on Twitter at Sci-Fi Project. Let us know. (laughs) Uh, We've got all sorts of ones here. Like whenever Starfleet's backup policy sucks. Hmm. um, Because, right, like whenever there's a situation that just wouldn't even be a problem if they maintained automated regular backups like we do now in the 21st century. Oh. You know, like all the stuff with the doctor and Voyager. And Voyager. Right? Like, why didn't they just keep a copy of him? Yeah. You know? Well, I mean, isn't the idea with the doctor that his program becomes sentient? And then... Well, yeah, but that doesn't mean you can't copy it. Yeah, I don't know. That's an interesting question. (laughs) Because uh, let's think about data in the measure of the man. In the measure of a man. Mm -hmm. When he talks about how if you were to take him apart and put him back together, that maybe the essence of his memory would be lost. Maybe once a computer program becomes sentient, you can't back it up. Maybe it has to keep running in order for it to continue to be sentient. Because you can't back up a person, except for that one episode where Picard beamed out into the into the nebula and then beamed him back into his body later. Oh, God, yeah. That was dumb. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't There's, know. What do you think? I, I feel like, I mean, it, it would still just be data. Like, not the character data, but, you know. Right. Uh, the plural Data. datum. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so I, I feel like you would just be able to, you know, do a save state, essentially. And just go back to that point. Yeah. Like that one where the doctor kind of lost his mind. Oh, yeah. Like just restore from backup. Problem right. solved. Right. But I mean, having to put a, a sentient hologram through psychotherapy was a really compelling story. Yeah, they did a lot of really interesting things with him as a character. Yeah. Um, I mean, let's let's be honest. He was the best thing they had going for them on Voyager. Probably, yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, he was he was what kept me going through that show because I Voyager is is my least favorite Star Trek. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, and I fucking love Star Trek. Still, I love yeah, all Star it's still Trek. enjoyable. Yeah, I watched it, uh, and there's episodes in there that are awesome. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. One of my absolute favorite Star Trek episodes of all Star Trek, all 726 episodes, not including the animated series is the one with uh, Andy Dick. Oh, my God, yes. <laughs> Andy uh, Dick is the, is the, and he's on the hologram Prometheus. Mark Three or Something Mark like that, Four, yeah. Mark Five. I don't know. Where you have the two emergency medical holograms basically having a buddy comedy action right. adventure story. It's so great. Yeah. I love it. Plus, you know, like you get to see a new starship and it's like a really badass one. Yeah. And, it's, um, it's the show that we never got where you continue post-Dominion War in yeah. the Star Trek universe that we know and love. We never got that show. Hopefully someday. Yeah. I, I really feel like what they should have done with Voyager, season six should have ended with them getting home. Yeah. And then season seven would have just mm. been dealing with all of the consequences of uh, everything that they had done. Like, because it, it kills me. Oh, what me. a great idea. It kills me 
that Janeway, this is probably gonna, even going to be a little bit unpopular, but it kills me that Janeway got promoted to Admiral. Because, uh-huh. like, her best scenario should have been that she maintained, like, her Maintain captaincy. captaincy. Um, she definitely shouldn't have gotten promotion. Like, all the times she broke the Prime Directive or, like, did, you know, just really heinous things. Yeah. You know, just killing aliens, blowing them out the airlock, whatever. Like, <sighs> I have massive problems with Voyager. I I was having this discussion with someone the other night about how Voyager was such a great premise. And the first three seasons are really fantastic. They really should have started to show the breakdown of society. Because here's your opportunity to put this idealistic, optimistic version of humanity on trial. Yeah. Where they are disconnected from the Federation. You know, they're completely outside of the law that we've all come to know. Uh, they can do whatever they want with no consequences. And not only that, but they kind of have to break some rules in order to survive because sure. they're going to need to replenish their supplies. Mm-hmm. They've also got all these Maquis on board. I mean, they set them up to really kind of show this decay, maybe this like controlled decay into madness. And, and then Janeway's the rallying force that holds it all together. Yeah. Uh, that show would have been so compelling and showing the triumph of this optimistic, idealistic human spirit over this adversity would have been right. so powerful. And Absolutely. we never really got to see that. Like yeah, like well, the, that, was the, that was the real problem with Voyager was that it, it didn't stick to its premise. Yeah, it didn't. You know, like, yeah. I mean, there's, you've probably seen that, that video where someone does like a counter of every time they fire a photon torpedo, even though they say like at the beginning of the series how many <laughs> photon torpedoes they have. Right. And they end up firing like, you know, 150 out of 40. And how many shuttles did they destroy? Uh, like 12, something like that. Yeah, and what yeah. did they have, five? Yeah, six. six. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and that's the sort of thing that I mean, right? Like, they should have always been on limited resources. Like, they yeah. just wasting it on, and don't get me wrong, I love the Captain Proton episodes, mm-hmm. but, like, that holodeck must have been drawing enormous resources. Right. Like, that would be the first thing that you would shut off. Turn off. off. <laughs> I even have problems with the Captain Proton episodes. Like the the big one that I saw at Star Trek Night actually recent or within the last year, the one where they're inside of Captain Proton the whole episode yeah. and it's in black and white. Uh, they there's this other species that's like a it's uh, like they're two dimensional or something like that. They're, they're not holographic, but they are. What's the what's the word? Photonic. Photonic. Yeah. There's a photonic species, and they accidentally kill some members of the species. Like not real. Well, like a holodeck character kills one of these photonic right. beings, and it's not really addressed with the gravity that it is due. That they've just discovered a new life form, and the first thing they did was accidentally kill one of them. That's a huge deal on Star yeah, Trek. Huge right? deal. Like if that Captain, would be a court martial right there. Right. If if Captain Picard had been uh, overseeing that, he would have been mortified, yeah. you know, he would have been absolutely mortified and it was kind of glossed over in the episode and it really upset me because yeah. not only did Voyager not stick to its premise, but I also feel like it kind of got away from the Star Trek spirit at a certain point. Yeah. Or like, you know, Tuvix, Tuvix. another example, right? Like that where, episode makes me feel gross. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, <clears throat> you know, they, they, they tried to have this, um, real moral dilemma of like, is it okay to, you know, kill this person to, yeah, to get the know, other two people back? Right. But really it just ended up being like sort of, eh, whatever. Yeah. They, they set yeah. up some great premises and they never really paid them off. Yeah. But let's talk about what we liked about it. Cause I mean, you know, this is a, 
Right. There's yeah. going to be a lot of people listening to this who like Voyager, and there's a right. lot that I liked about Voyager. Absolutely. I, I loved the characters, all the yeah. actors. I um, love the stories were actually the quite good. Yeah. The Doctor was one, the Doctor is one of my favorite characters in all of Star Trek. Yeah. I, just the Doctor's journey of being this kind of snarky asshole program right. was just a great way to start for a character yeah. because they... The doctor with the terrible bedside manner. Exactly. And it's so <laughs> funny that they would even program an emergency medical hologram that is kind of a dick. Right. But he's based off of Dr. Zimmerman, who is kind of a dick. Right. So it's it's realistic in a way. And a big criticism of the Star Trek universe that a lot of people always bring up is that it's very well, very sterile and maybe not realistic in a way that human beings are so like varied and flawed and they kind of right. uh, gloss over that sometimes. But I don't think that's true. I mean, watch the original series. Captain Kirk oh, yeah. is, is flawed as fuck. Mm-hmm. And then like the doctor is, is a flawed program with, yeah. he's, he's like a weird, strange program. And so is data. I mean, data is a program mm-hmm. that, you know, outgrows his, his programming. And there's a lot of stuff like that happening on All Star Trek. It's really cool. Yeah, yeah. Even Seven of Nine was the same way where she started off as like really struggling with, no, I'm still a Borg, but then having to sort of reassert her humanity. Um, her character arc, I thought, was really well done. Um, although I, I, I hated what they did with the Borg. And, and yeah. really it started with um, Star Trek First Contact with the introduction of the Borg Queen. Hmm. Um, even though Star Trek First Contact is actually my favorite of all the Star Trek movies. It's, it's, because it's fantastic. It's, it's so good. <laughs> um, but, like, once you introduce the concept of the Borg Queen, and then once you have, like, on Voyager, there, were, there was a lot of times where they would go on to a Borg ship, and they'd find, you know, Borg just talking. It, it seemed like they had some semblance of individuality, and then that took out the terror. Right. Of the Borg in the first place, right? They were supposed right. to be all completely, you know, hive mind and, you know, kind of space zombies. Yeah, I just watched Q Who a couple of days ago, the first Borg episode, and the Borg were set up so terrifying. Yeah. They're just cold, heartless killing machines, and they just want to kill you, or not kill you, I, I take that back, they're not killing machines. They, they basically just rape everything that they see. Yeah, they just absorb it all. Yeah. And it's terrifying. It's really scary. I mean, it's. Mm-hmm. I think it's more scary to have uh, your individuality taken away oh, than to be killed. Yeah. Do you think so? Oh, yeah. Like, one of the things that terrifies me the most, I, I hope that I never get Alzheimer's. Because, mm. like, that would be, like, me getting taken away, right? And that's terrifying. Yeah, it's terrifying. I mean, what what is it that makes up an individual and what is it that makes you, you? That's such a hard question to answer. And then yeah. to... To have whatever it is, even though you can't define it, taken away is terrifying. Right. And and then, you know, like uh, Picard really had to struggle with that. Yeah. Um, but then, see, I'm just going back to Voyager and like yeah. what they did to the Borg. Like there was, um, there was, I think it was Dark Frontier where like three crew get assimilated, mm-hmm. Janeway, Taurus, and Tuvok, I think. Mm-hmm. Um and then, like, the next episode, they were like, oh, you know, whatever. Yeah. It's, it, Voyager just felt like they were trying to up the stakes of Next Gen. But the stakes in Next Gen were perfect. And when you up the stakes from perfection, it gets silly. So when you assimilate one cute crew member, and it's so incredibly devastating, and it's so hard to get him back... And it's... I mean, they even said in First Contact that, like, the Borg technology has gotten so intense that you really can't 
bring people back anymore. Right. Uh, Picard chose to kill crew members that were being assimilated rather than try to get them Ensign back because Lynch. yeah, it's in Lynch because he can't do it. I mean, uh, the Borg technology advances very quickly. Yeah, and for them to assimilate three crew members, that's not realistic. Right. It's not realistic. Yeah. Um, but there were there were some real gems in Voyager, though. Yeah. Like, I, I don't want to, you know, talk like, you know, just bashing Voyager all the time. Like, right. um, Year of Hell, those, the, yeah. the one with um, Red Foreman. With Red Foreman, yeah. <laughs> I like Year of Kurt Hell, Smith. but it was hard for me to watch because I'm like, this is what this show should have been. Right. So... Um, it's just Equ- like, Equinox, the one with John Savage on, on the USS Equinox. Um, and he's like that. Oh, where they ran into that other ship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And, and so that was, at least the first part was really compelling. That um, was also like, this is also the way that Voyager should have been. <laughs> right. Um, I, I loved all the ones with, uh, with Barkley. I was I was so so on those. Really? I felt like it was just an excuse to bring Troy back, and I loved seeing <laughs> Troy, and I I enjoyed the fact that Barkley kind of saves the day. But at the end of the day, a big problem that I have with Voyager is that they seem to be trying to catch the glory of Next Generation because yeah. Next Generation was by far the most popular show in its own time. Like when it was on TV, it, it was, was the biggest show yeah. on TV. It was like Lost, you know, like right. it was uh it was like The Walking Dead. It was huge. Mm-hmm. Everybody watched it. And it was a, a cultural moment in time. And yeah. none of the other Star Trek series have done that. Even the original series, like the original series became a cultural moment later yeah. after it was in off the, the air. Yeah. And that's why Star Trek came back was, you know, they made the movies and all that stuff right. just because it, it was like Firefly. It was yep. kind of the modern equivalent. Uh, but Next Generation was the only one that was in the right place at the right time and was huge while it was on the air. Right. The only one of of all six of the shows, if you're counting the, the animated series. Yeah, and and it was like when it ended, that was a huge cultural moment. That was oh that was God. that was like right up there with, um, well, the end of Lost. Except everyone wasn't angry at the end. Yeah. Um, the end like, of Next Generation <clears throat> is fucking gorgeous. Yeah, it was really really well done. And it's funny because Damon Lindelof, who who wrote Lost, cites that as one of his favorite finales. Yeah, yeah, because it's really good. Because it's really good, <laughs> and it's so funny that he wasn't able to to take the lesson from it of like how to send off a show yeah. with with grace and with uh, with dignity. I fucking hate the last episode of Lost. I hate it. I hate it. I'm saying it right now. I hate it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, if you ask me, the only real good. Um, serious finales that Star Trek had were was the end of Next Generation and the end of Deep Space Nine. Yeah. Um, Voyagers was just kind of... It's like they stopped trying. <laughs> the and end Enterprise of, was... Uh, that's my least favorite episode of all of yeah, Star Trek. because... <sighs> yeah. There's such a disappointment with Enterprise because, like, if you knew anything about Star Trek... You knew what was going to happen. You knew that the Romulan War was just going to heat up and that that was a huge thing which led to the founding of the Federation. And you knew that the the timeline was such that, like, the series was going to end with the founding of the Federation. And we had this golden opportunity to see how it all comes together. And then it gets canceled right as they're getting to it. I know. And so then you have the last episode where they just they skip ahead, you know, six years and... You know, even even uh, 
Jonathan Frakes and Marina Sirtis were like, this is really awkward. I'm sorry, yeah. guys. Well, they did the same thing that went wrong with Voyager, where they're trying to recapture the glory days of the next generation. And having, like, next generation cast come in and have it set during that episode, the Pegasus. Right. Where they look so much older. <laughs> yeah. And it was just yeah, very... Yeah, it been like 10 years. Yeah, it was very poorly done. Yeah. It wasn't even done well. So... It's just so frustrating because Enterprise. I loved Enterprise. It was so good. I really like it. It it's, was. It's it my was number really, three. Really, really underrated. Yeah, I agree. I know this is going to sound like really controversial, but obviously my favorite is Next Generation. Second favorite is Deep Space Nine. I actually like Enterprise more than I like the original series. I really like Enterprise a lot, and was, I love the original series. Yeah. But uh, the the original series is is very dated in a lot of ways. Yeah. I will say that a good episode of the original series is as good or better than anything including Next Generation. But a bad episode of the original series is even worse than Threshold, where uh, Janeway and Paris turn into newts and fuck each other. <laughs> right. Yeah, like Spock's brain or uh, the alternative factor. There's some bad um, stuff. There was, There's some there bad some stuff really, really there. bad ones, but the good ones were really, really good. Yeah. Like a- anything involving like the Vulcans and the Romulans were, yeah. was just so good. Amok Time and Journey to Babel were, or Babel mm, were, were yeah. incredible episodes with just... Um, I, I played a scene from Journey to Babel at the yeah. thing where it was just Spock... And his mom, Amanda, she's trying to convince him to relinquish control of the ship so that he can go and give a blood transfusion for his ailing father, Sarek. Right. And, and he won't. He, he can't do it, right? right. Like, it, it, like, it's not a sufficient reason for him to give up command, at least yeah. according to regulations. And Right. He can't risk everything else that's at stake, even for his own father. Right. Because he's too logical. Yeah. And it, it makes sense. I mean, it makes sense. He's mm-hmm. making the right decision. But you can tell that it's it really is tearing him up inside. Yeah, I mean it's it's beautiful. It's yeah. brilliant. That reminds me. I wanted to talk about the last Star Trek night, which was like last week. Yeah, uh, you just finished Voyager, and I'll admit that uh, part of why I haven't been around in a while is that I don't necessarily want to rewatch a lot of Voyager. Attendance dropped off pretty sharply with yeah. Voyager. But you just you just got to the point where you're starting Enterprise and you did this whole presentation like yeah three th- hours long a three hour long presentation, <laughs> re- just kind of reminding everyone about everything that you've seen so far and setting up what's going to happen in Enterprise and all the th- the plot threads that have started in the original series and are going to go through into Enterprise, and it was awesome. I was there for about an hour and a half of it. Yeah, and okay. you had cut together. Like let's you you would cut to segments off of different species that were going to show up. So right. the segment on the Vulcans, you had all of this kind of uh, formative Vulcan mythology in every series. Stuff from the original series, stuff from the animated series. Yeah. And then you kind of showed how uh, different things played off of each other. Uh, and then you cut together first contact. So it was just. Oh yeah, like for, Zephram, for Zephram Cochran. Cochran. Yeah, Zephram Cochran's like journey into space, where you cut out everything else, and it was just the Zephram Cochran scenes. And I'd never seen them like that. I'd never seen just that part of that movie put together, and it was really fucking cool. I mean, it was oh, thank you powerful to see that in that way. And uh, I was really, I was just so into what you're doing. It was such a cool thing for all these people who either haven't been to every Star Trek night or haven't seen every series so that when they get into Enterprise, they know what they're getting into. Right, because I, I feel like that's one of the things that um, really enhances the enjoyment of Enterprise is knowing all of the stuff that's going on. Like, 
right? I mean, your average viewer, let's say, uh, 10 years, well, I guess more than 10 years ago, um, when Enterprise was first airing, probably had no idea that the Romulan War was coming or that the series was going to end with the founding of the Federation, right? They yeah. thought that it was just being like a kind of, um, oh, well, it's next generation, but like, you know, 200 years in the past. Yeah. Um, and the first couple seasons were, for the most part, like that. Yeah. Um, but when you know all the things that are being referenced and, and, and being set up that would then, you know, show up later in the original series or even, um, you know, any of the later Next Generation era uh, series, I think that really enhances the enjoyment of that show, right? Like, um, the Andorians are great. Jeffrey Combs is great as Shran. God, Jeffrey Combs is like my hero. Oh, he's so good. Have you seen Reanimator? Oh, yeah. It's so good. Yeah. It's <laughs> Yeah. But Shran is his is his crowning achievement. It really is. Um, and I loved Wei Yun, but Shran, he just knocked yeah. it out of the park. Brunt was fantastic. Yeah. He's been like everyone in Star Trek. Yeah, he's, he's, he's played more characters, I think, than anyone else. Definitely main um, characters. Yeah. Or it, uh, as far like as far Vaughn as... Vaughn Armstrong might have actually played more characters, but yeah. not, you know, I mean... And it was so great that he finally role. got uh, an unmasked, like, main background character. Yeah. With... Uh, uh, Admiral uh, Forrest. Admiral Forrest. Yeah, thank you. Named after DeForest Kelly. Oh, yeah, yeah. so that would be Ian nerding out. <laughs> Drink, everyone. Drink. Here we go. I'm, I'm drinking. <laughs> um, yeah, and uh, and he and Jeffrey Combs they had a panel together at Star Trek Las Vegas, and um, oh, cool. <laughs> I, I had I had a question for Jeffrey Combs, but I started off with like you know, um, Vaughn this. Uh, question is for Jeffrey, but I just wanted to say that I, I, I love you. And I was really, you know, torn up when Admiral Forrest died and his, he quipped back. Yeah, me too. I still had kids to feed. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I asked Jeffrey Combs, um, cause, uh, he actually went to the university of Washington uh -huh. here in Seattle, um, for acting school. Really? Yeah. Uh, and in his, uh, postgraduate I guess, uh, studies. You know, when I think of acting schools, the first school that comes to mind is not the University of Washington. No. So I asked him, like, well, I know you went to the University of Washington. Um, why did you pick that school? And was there anything that you learned there that would prepare you for your future roles on Star Trek? And he had a really good answer. Um, the reason that he picked it was that it turns out that uh, the University of Washington's acting school is a considered like right up there with places like Juilliard. Wow. Um, it's like really a quality school. And one of the courses that he took there was all about um, acting with masks. Wow. Right. And learning how to emote when you have this apparatus on your face that is limiting your ability to emote. Cool. And uh, so, I mean, you can imagine Brunt, for example, it really helped him. You know some of the other characters that he played, uh, e even Wei Yun. Although they made Wei Yun, you know, have a more or less human face because they they just wanted to see Jeffrey Combs's face. Yeah. Um, same with Shran. Although Shran, right, the Andorians, they had the. I thought it was really inspired having the the motorized antenna. Oh, yeah, the antennas in Enterprise. Yeah, so good. Andorians are my favorite species. There's like a real following for Andorians. Yeah. Um, I, I even discovered there is like an entire subculture on deviant art 
mm-hmm. where all they do is they um, essentially take celebrity photographs and Photoshop them to turn them into Andorians. Really? Yeah. Like it's a whole thing. <laughs> That's so great. That reminds <laughs> me of the the whole thing where they take guitar players and then Photoshop in a fish instead right. of a guitar. <laughs> it's really funny. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Did we get through all the rules? Are there more, more oh, rules? Oh, there are so many more rules. I think there's like 400 some and some odd rules. Oh, my God. I don't want to hear them all. Yeah. I'll take it back. It's 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 a lot. And there's there's all kinds of just, uh, you know, kind of kooky ones and ones that are really like kind of capitalizing on a lot of the, you know, kind of cliches, right? Like whenever a, an admiral in Starfleet is like evil or corrupt, hmm. you know, or insane. Like Does it count kind of if they have an evil space worm controlling their thoughts? Oh, totally. Okay, good. Yeah, yeah, for the conspiracy thing. Yeah. How'd you feel about that episode? I liked them at the time, but then I was always disappointed that they never revisited it. Yeah. Um, But that's actually something, I don't know if you ever play Star Trek Online. I Only a little bit. Uh, Because they do bring them back. And they've been in some Expanded Universe novels, too. Yeah. I've I been, love that episode. <laughs> like, I think it's so much fun just to have this kind of like B horror movie in the middle of next generation is right. so great. Yeah. I mean, and, and I love a lot of that stuff. That's one of the things that I actually really loved about the Captain Proton stuff in Voyager mm-hmm. was cause I love those old, you know, corny sci-fi movies from, yeah. you know, back when they thought the future was going to be so different. <laughs> right. Speaking of we're recording this podcast on back to the future day. Oh, that's true. Today is October 21st, 2015. And actually, I think like one hour ago, uh, Marty McFly and Doc Brown just showed up. It was it was 4.29 p.m. And I posted a picture to the Red Shirts group exactly on that. Oh, you did? <laughs> of um, Christopher Lloyd as Crooge from Star Trek III. Yeah. Uh, and he was saying, uh, you know, something like, you know, uh, when this baby gets up to warp eight, you know, you're going to see some serious shit or whatever the line was. <laughs> yeah. God, there's, there's so, so many rules here. Let's, I'm uh, going to, I'm going to publish them though, because I, I really feel like, um, we have cultivated over the last five years, like the best set of Star Trek drink, drinking game rules Yeah, that are out there. And I, I want people to use them and, and, um, you know, We'll send it to me. Terrible, terrible damage to their livers. Yeah, you should publish it and then send me the link and I'll post it up at this episode. Awesome. And then this can be the the unveiling ceremony for the (laughs) Star Trek drinking rules for the official Red Shirts group. Yeah. Um, I mean, a project that I have, it's it's been kind of on the back burner lately, um, but I want to do a a web app uh, that you can just, you know, save on your phone that has all of them with video explanations um, of the drinking rules? Right. Oh, wow. Where it's, it's all of us red shirts sounding off one at a time on, <laughs> on, on the various rules. That's awesome. like, like we have one rule that's, uh, my sensors indicate you want to tap that, which is off a very common <laughs> sci-fi trope, right? Where, um, you know, someone's scanning you or it's like an alien who, or a robot, you know, uh, like Spock or data or someone. Right. And they're saying like, you know, they're noticing that your eyes are dilated and, you know, you're perspiring and your heart rate has increased, right? And there's right. these telltale physiological signs of arousal, right? And so that's that's the rule. But apparently when I just, 
you know, say the rule name, nobody gets it. Yeah. But it's, you know, I mean, it's, it's a long time sci-fi trope. Um, <laughs> and, and there's, there's a few others like that as well that, um, like the fuses one, I think. Yeah. Really. Like if you don't know what fuses are for, then that one probably doesn't make sense. Right. <laughs> but once you know that, uh, fuses are designed specifically to stop stuff down the chain from exploding, from exploding. <laughs> Then it becomes kind of important and right. makes a lot of sense. So tell me about uh, tell me about your history with Star Trek. How old were you when you started watching? What was your first show? How did you get into this whole universe? Um, God, I started off really, really young. And how old are you now? I'm 35. I started when I was six, uh, really just because of my dad. My my parents were voracious readers, and my dad was, you know, a first generation. Like he watched the original series when it was airing when he was a kid. Yeah. Um, and so we had tons of books throughout the house and my dad being the Trekkie, he had, um, the Franz Joseph technical manual from the 1970s, like a, a hardbound first edition. But that was, that was where you had, um, stuff like the uniforms, including like patterns and who knows if those patterns actually, you know, you could sew a uniform together out of, um, but they had, <laughs> they had like, um, you know, the communicator and then they had like a circuitry diagram on it. I always wanted to like you know, do a, a printed circuit board based on that diagram to see if it would actually work. Wow. Um, you know, I mean, obviously it would probably just be like a standard radio, but... Um, That's still pretty rad, though. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, and so it was it was full of, of stuff like that, and he also had, um, from the same era, the same guy, Franz Joseph Schnaubelt, I think was his name, um, he did a series of deck plans of the original Enterprise, um, and he had those and, and I found them and I, you know, I just thought they were the coolest thing ever. And so I asked my dad about it and he says, oh, well, this is actually, um, based off of a TV show. Do you want to watch it sometime? And so he let me stay up late one night and, uh, we watched the original series cause the, um, next generation was still coming out that, that fall. Wow. So this is 1987. Uh, yeah, like 86 or 87, something like that. We stay up late one night, and the first episode that I ever watched was Mirror, Mirror. Wow. Which what is, a strange way to start. Which, if you ask me, though, I mean, that's a great way to start. Really? Because it's a really good episode. Um, and through, like, a comedy of errors, um, I didn't get to see that episode again for, like, 15 years until they finally came out with the original series on DVD. Wow. Uh, because it would always be something like, you know, oh, it's, uh, it's playing tonight, but you know, we got to go over to my uncle's for dinner. And so we're going to miss it <laughs> or, oh, it's going to be on this channel, except we don't get reception for that channel. Yeah. You know, back when you had to get reception for channels. Um, and so just always be one thing after another, like that would just keep me like even stuff like, um, I would go over to someone's place and they would have like all the VHS tapes except for the one that had that episode on it, right? <laughs> like, it was just, it was insane. But, um, you know, it was, it was almost like a religious experience when I finally saw it again, because it wow. was like, you know, I, I knew everything that happened in the show because of, you know, all the reference books, like the encyclopedia and all that sort of thing. Um, but actually, like, seeing it again and seeing, you know, uh, the way the shots were set up and the blocking and the music and the acting... Um, like watching it all actually come together was uh, it was really something. Wow! So I, I actually got in with the original series, but 
you know, of course, very shortly after The Next Generation started. And so I got in that one at the ground floor. So you watched that, like, as it was airing? Oh, yeah. 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 And it was... Um, the early seasons were a lot better in my memory, <laughs> I think, than, than they ended up being. Except that um, there are some genuinely good episodes oh, in absolutely. the first couple seasons. I mean, absolutely. of course, Measure of a Man. Yeah. Um, but, like... Um, What's the one uh, where data first data lore? Uh huh. Like that's actually a really really good. And the the screenplay is a little bit sloppy, but the episode is really really well done. And um, you know Brent Spiner's acting in that really carries it. Yeah. Um, and there were there were a couple other episodes early on that were that were just really really good. And I and I think that um, you know the adage that the, the popular you know if Riker doesn't have a beard like don't watch it. I, I, don't I don't think, think that's that, true at all. Yeah, I don't think that, yeah. that holds true. I mean, yeah, Encounter at Farpoint, Encounter at Farpoint was pretty weak, but, but um, Naked Now is great. Yeah, episode two oh, it was, was totally great. Is. Yeah, yeah, and not just because they you know make direct reference to Kirk in that. <laughs> right. I I'm just uh, finishing up my my rewatch of season. I, I I just rewatched season one, and I'm just finishing up season two of Next Generation, and I've been shocked by how much I enjoyed a lot of it. Yeah, because uh, I mean I did the podcasts about seasons one and two having not seen them within like a, a year or two yeah and then just rewatching them again uh especially rewatching them on blu-ray and seeing mm. how good of a show it was just off the bat yeah and there wasn't anything like that on television at the time right and there still really isn't i mean the next generation is a, a breed of its own yeah the set design on the next generation is insanely good every hallway every crew quarter uh, ten forward, Troy's counseling chambers, right. Data's, um, Data's quarters, room. everything. The bridge, of course, yeah. being the center of all of this, with its plush carpeting and yeah, you know, hardwood paneling, and it's gorgeous. Yeah, and it it ages very well. It still looks futuristic. So that I mean, that show is so immersive. Yeah, and even. I think people judge the first two seasons harshly because what came after that was so much better. Well, sure, because every show is going to find its footing right. after a couple seasons, right? I mean, that, but they're still great. I mean, yeah. if we went for seven seasons with that quality, it still would be better than most shows that have ever been made. Easily, yeah. But seasons three through seven are so 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 good. And I, I also I gotta say I don't I don't get a lot of the Pulaski hate. I like Pulaski. She was a fun character. Um, it's just tough because, I mean, Crusher is awesome. Oh, sure. And Who doesn't love Crusher? Right. To replace Crusher was unnecessary. So Pulaski came in unnecessarily. Yeah. And then they realized their mistake and brought Crusher back. But Pulaski was great. I really liked her a lot. I love her relationship with Worf. Yeah. Something that I'd forgotten about was uh, in the episode, I think it's called Up the Long Ladder. Is that the one with the, the Irish colony? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All that stuff with the Irish colony was really silly. But mm-hmm. the the Klingon tea ceremony that Pulaski engages in with Worf was right. such a wonderful moment. It really was. Yeah, and I think he sees her warrior spirit and he respects her and it's really cool. Like that, I was just, before you got here tonight, I was watching The Emissary and they play poker at the beginning of that episode. And yeah. I think that's the first time that they play poker, isn't it? I think I've, they, they definitely have played poker before that. And I, I was thinking about that before you got here. I was like, yeah. which episode did I have seen this in? Because now that I'm rewatching it all chronologically, I'm trying to forget everything and just watch it from scratch and see it from the point of view of, it's 1987 and I've never seen anything like this before. Right. 
And that makes me appreciate those older episodes more. But And then when something like that happens where they play poker for the first time, I'm like, wow, this is the first fucking poker game. Right. And this is going to go through the last episode. Yeah. And the first time I saw Troy's, uh, like, counseling room, it oh, was yeah. in one of the worst episodes of the whole show, which is the Icarus Factor. Oh, yeah. And most of the episodes that I didn't like, or most of the episodes I remember not liking, I found something to like about, the Icarus Factor was almost unforgivable. <laughs> uh, the Ambo Jitsu match between Riker and his father <laughs> is a low point. Yeah. The ultimate <laughs> evolution of martial arts indeed, one. you know? Yeah. <laughs> like they're wearing Eat the, your heart out, Bruce Lee. They're wearing the dumbest <laughs> costumes, and it's... It's just so overly schmaltzy, and they don't really yeah. set up why Riker hates his dad so much, right. and, and then they get over it really easily just by beating each other up. It's just terrible. It's terrible. Well, it's kind of in re- like in real life, you know, beat the shit out of each other, and there's never any animosity toward each other ever again. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, but after setting up, you know, a season and a half of these ultra-enlightened humans, to have them just, like, fight it out just seemed really silly. Right. But... Maybe it's because they're Alaskan. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. They, they do things differently. I love that Riker's from Alaska. Yeah. I love that. But anyway, seeing Troy's uh, like counseling chamber or whatever mm-hmm. she calls it. I don't know. Her, her office. For, it's probably just an office. Yeah, her psychotherapy office. It was re- I love that set. It's such a cool set. And to see it for the first time, I was like, wow, this is the first time I'm seeing it. And then, of course, in The Child, first episode of season two, you see mm-hmm. Ten Forward for the first time. Guinan is just the biggest addition to that show. Yeah. Uh, and she was so, so good in that role too, Whoopi Goldberg. Yeah. Um, and I remember reading, I forget where it was probably like Larry Nemechek's Star Trek companion. Um, but it was, uh, talking about how Gene Roddenberry just really, really wanted Whoopi Goldberg on the show. Mm -hmm. So he, he wrote a role for her. And she was like, well, yeah, but uh, you know, I'm doing movies and stuff. And he was like, okay, well just come on whenever you're free. And that'll be it, you know. And and so that was what happened. And uh, I don't I don't know if there was a bad guy in an episode. She's been in bad episodes, sure. but she's always great. Like yeah. she was in uh, the Dolphin, which is another oh yeah, that one's terrible episode in season stinker. two. Uh, I think season two gets a bad rap just because there are some really bad episodes in it. Yeah, and well, and part of that too is because of the writers' strike that was going on at the time. Right, right, right. Which. Did not help things. I mean, that was where we got the clip show. Um, uh, Shades of Grey. Shades of Grey, yeah. Uh, But we're discounting the fact that in every season of every Star Trek show, there's always bad episodes. Yeah. As a Star Trek fan, you learn to live with that. Mm Mm-hmm. You learn to live with, uh, you know, Janeway turning into a newt. and <laughs> right, Well, no, and, that, was, that was Paris, but yeah. Oh, she turned into a newt also. Did she? Uh, yeah, they both turned into newts, and they had sex together, and they had babies. Oh, God, that's right. Uh, I think I had blocked that. Yeah, my, <laughs> I was watching Next Generation with my friend Dan when I was a kid, and he knew that I'd been obsessed with it for years, and he finally sat down and watched some of it with me. And they were like going up to warp nine and they're really pushing the engines and they couldn't go yeah. past warp nine. He said, well, what happens if you go past warp nine? I said, well, you cross the warp threshold and you turn into a salamander. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Threshold. That's a bad one, but it it's might also, be the worst one. It's very contradictory also because in uh, the voyage home, they show that when you go past the warp threshold and you slingshot around a planet, you travel through time. Right. Which they mentioned in Next Generation, uh, they, they talk about the theory of that being possible. That slingshot effect actually had happened in the original series. Uh, I want to say Tomorrow is Yesterday. 
Is that when they did that kind of backdoor pilot for that show they never made when uh, they went back in time? No, but they might have also done it in that episode. The, the episode I'm thinking of is the one where they like they encounter a black hole that throws them back to you know 1967 or whenever the episode aired, and um, they end up uh, accidentally disintegrating a fighter jet that uh, the guy who's like the father of the guy who's going to do the first like Saturn mission or something right, like that right, right. is in. And at the very end of that episode, they're like, all right, well, let's just slingshot around the sun. We'll get back home. Boom, done. And then Spock still says that time travel is impossible right. all the time, which is so confusing. Yeah. Well, there were a lot of things in all of the shows really where they just kind of threw consistency out the window. Yeah. Um, they seem to kind of put a lockdown on that. In the Next Generation era? They got more disciplined about it, for sure. Yeah. But there were still... There were still inconsistencies every now and again. Um, but I, I, I think that that time travel thing was way, way overused right. in Star Trek. Um, and especially in Enterprise. Did you not enjoy Future Guy? <laughs> <laughs> well, it would have been... Nice to find out, you know, that he was a Romulan and was orchestrating, you know, the Romulan War, but then it was with the Sulaban, and so, you know. I liked Future Guy. I liked that, uh, I I will admit to some minor disappointment when I found out that Enterprise was going to be a prequel, because I really wanted to go post-Dominion War in in the main timeline. I've always wanted to see that show, because I, I struggle with prequels in general because I really enjoy moving forward just as a human. Yeah. And I like when TV shows move forward. Like I was disappointed when Star Wars was doing prequels. I wanted to see <laughs> well, I wanted to see The Force Awakens and now we're gonna, <laughs> which is incredible. But I liked that there was an element of what happens next in the timeline, even though it was a prequel. And Future Guy was talking about the temporal cold war, yeah. which is such a cool idea. Like getting into this future where everyone can travel through time and they start using that as a weapon and how do you prevent that from destroying the fabric of space and time and that's and cool that's really cool it gave them a great way to fudge things mm-hmm. here and there because there were there was time traveling meddlers who were right. changing things and so and you have to fudge things when you have an inconsistent canon in the original series yeah right i mean in balance of terror in the original series they said that the Romulans didn't even have warp, but like, how the hell are you going to get across the galaxy and, you know, do an interstellar war if you don't have faster than light travel? Like, yeah, you just, you just can't. I love in Balance of Terror how they don't have, during the Romulan War, they didn't have view screens. Yeah. Uh, which obviously is contradicted by Enterprise. Yeah. But- well, I, I did think that they, they still did that well where it was just that the Romulans didn't ever do um ship to ship communication right, visual, visual communication yeah. yeah yeah so maybe they just assumed they didn't have view screens right. of some kind uh i do wish that enterprise didn't have a view screen i wish it would have just been a window yeah that would have been kind of like the the jj yeah abrams yeah the enterprise. jj at enterprise was that was really cool that was uh, yeah i i liked that movie a lot how did you how do you feel about the jj universe i you know i enjoy them but um, they're so different i mean let's go 2009 Star Trek first because that yeah. that's the one I like sure and and you know I mean they're really really fun movies the problem that I have is that they rebooted Star Trek on the big screen instead of the small screen uh-huh. because like Star Trek movies they're like chocolate cake 
<laughs> right? Chocolate cake is really good, but you don't want to live off of chocolate cake. Well, right. maybe you do, but... Um, and <laughs> I'm gluten-free. I don't want to live off chocolate cake. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, um, and, and where Star Trek has always really shined has been on the smaller screen where you can, you know, build up characters over time. Right. And, um, you know, you, you have different episodes for exploring different, you know, sort of moral issues or, you know, stuff like that. But, you know, every single, well, almost every single movie has been a, a spectacle. Right. Right. Because it, you're, you're on this, you know, 72 foot wide screen. And Earth is always at stake. Yeah. And so the stakes have to be big and there have to yeah. be lots of explosions. And that doesn't really get to the, the heart of what Star Trek is about. Which is the human struggle and the moral dilemma. Yeah. And so I really like the new movies, but I just I just want Star Trek as a series again. Yeah. I really liked the the reboot in 2009 a lot because that one to me was just about character. Yeah. And that's some that's a huge part of Star Trek. I was missing the moral dilemma aspect and I was really hoping they'd get into that in the second one, but then the second one was a steaming pile of garbage. I <laughs> I really don't like Star Trek Into Darkness. I like the first hour of it. Yeah. Uh I take huge issue with the casting of like a white British guy as Khan Noonien Singh. I have a really big problem with that. Yeah, because a Spanish guy is a... A Spanish guy as a... <laughs> as a, a Sikh. A Sikh. <laughs> well, the problem is like the whitewashing of Hollywood and having this great role, like cast someone who is like of Indian descent to play a Sikh. Why not? Sure. But to change that character so that he was white really bothered me. It really yeah. bothered me. And I read an interview of why, and they said it was because the movie was about terrorism and to cast oh. Khan, who is the terrorist. If you make him brown, then... Right. Yeah, yeah they were afraid of doing that. But that, I, You know, that actually makes some modicum of sense. But... Ugh, it bothers me. Yeah. It really bothers me. It, I feel like it's, it's backwards thinking for a franchise that's supposed to be thinking forward. Because, I mean, Khan is not just a terrorist also. Khan is like a brilliant strategist. Khan is... Um, he's a conqueror. He's a conqueror. He, I mean, he's an advanced human. He is one of the most incredible humans that's ever lived. So that's why... Of course, it's like a stereotype in old Hollywood to make all of the bad guys be like another ethnicity. Sure. Even just like saying that in Star Wars, all the Imperials are British, even mm -hmm. though they're all still white. Like they're all British instead of American and all the rebels are American. There's something inherently offensive about that, yeah. Uh, but I find it more offensive to whitewash everything. I don't yeah. know if that's just me. Yeah, no, I, I'd agree with that. I mean, um, it because Star Trek, one of the things that it's always done really well has been to um, sort of push back, and so a capitulation like that. Um, I can see is not being really in the spirit of what Star Trek is. Yeah. And also, I mean, I love Benedict Cumberbatch. I think oh, he's sure. a great actor. And I thought he did a really good job in the movie, but I thought it was terribly written. Yeah. And I thought that uh, the character of Khan in that movie had literally nothing to do with the Khan that we know from yeah, and the original series in Wrath of Khan. So why call him Khan except to kind of play off of people's desire to see Khan. Yeah. It's very pandering. 
So if he had just been, if he had actually been John Harrison and never been revealed as Khan, I would have liked that movie so much more. Yeah. Because the whole backstory of Khan being this genetically advanced human who was, you know, like frozen, sent into space, um, it already doesn't work because that was supposed to have happened in the 1990s. Right. In the yeah, original and, series. And we all timeline. remember the eugenics wars, right? Right. We the eugenics teenagers. wars were supposed to have happened already. So it already doesn't fit. And they didn't really do a good job of making it fit. So it felt very tacked on to me. Yeah. And then I cannot get over the fact that they cured death. And yeah, with Tribbles, no with less. With Tribbles. It just felt so pandering. It was just like <laughs> a script written by people who have like a cursory knowledge of Star Trek. And I know... Well, and, and to some extent it was. I, I know that like some, the guys like, you know... Like Roberto Orkey, he was a Trekkie, but... Right, like some of the people involved were huge Trekkies. And I know that they consulted Memory Alpha all the time, mm-hmm. which is my favorite Star Trek website, to get good information. But it just felt like they were pandering with that movie, which is so frustrating because the first yeah. one was written by the same people, except, you know, Damon Lindelof worked on the first one, but he didn't get a writing credit and he did get a writing credit on the second. Yeah. So I like to blame him just because I like to blame <laughs> him for Lost also, yeah, sure. which is not fair, but you know, got to blame someone. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm ranting now, but I was very disappointed in Into Darkness and I, I still have fingers crossed for the third one. I hope yeah, it's beyond. Oh, well, I think with Simon Pegg writing, yeah, because he's definitely a Trekkie. So right. I, that that gives me some hope. Me too, for sure. Um, but I still like stop with the movies so we can get Star Trek on TV again. Yeah, you know? I mean, I wouldn't say that. Like, I I like that there's still new movies coming well, out. Well, except that the, that we can't have a TV show because there's a contract between CBS really? and and Paramount. I think that's who the parties are. Like one of them, like CBS does has the TV rights, and I think Paramount has the movie rights, uh-huh. and. Like, they have a deal that so long as the movies are going, you can't have Star Trek wow. on television. So, like, I was really hoping after Into Darkness that we would see it, but then they were like, no, 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 let's sign them up for more movies. Huh, I didn't know that. That's annoying. <laughs> yeah, right? I mean, because I want Star Trek on TV so bad. Yeah, me too. I mean, that's where it belongs. I've said this before, but I think it'd be really cool if Star Trek came back on a premium cable network. Oh yeah. Like like HBO, like Game of Thrones where they Or even just AMC. AMC would be incredible. AMC would be an amazing place for Star Trek to live. Cuz we don't live in the world of first run syndication anymore. Right. Where the, that ship has sailed. Yeah, and that, that's where Star Trek really shines where in in first run syndication. But uh I can't see it really flourishing on NBC or CBS or any of these channels. Uh, not at all. But AMC, HBO, Showtime, some someone who's going to give it the time and the budget to do it really right would be a glorious thing. Yeah, and what I would really really love to see, although I imagine that when they bring Star Trek back to the small screen that it'll be uh in a more traditional vein, but what I would really love to see is um like we've seen shows like True Detective and uh-huh. American Horror Story where uh-huh. um, every season is like one overarching plot, but then the next season is just completely different setting. Yeah. I would love that sort of thing because that's one of the things about Star Trek is that they created an incredible universe that like that was why I didn't mind a prequel for Enterprise was because they they've got hundreds of years of really interesting stuff to go over, right? I mean, yeah. you know, um, yeah, go back to the founding of the Federation. But, like, you know, also what about uh, the 100 years between 
the original series and next, next generation, generation, you know? Yeah. Um, or what about, you know, like you were saying, after the Dominion War and the Federation's trying to piece itself back together. Um, there's so many, so many stories and they don't, like Deep Space Nine definitely proved that it doesn't have to be placed on a starship, right? You can, you can just be in a place in the Star Trek world and make it compelling. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I would love to have, you know, like a season at Starfleet Academy, a season that's like, you know, a colony on the Outer Rim. Um, you know, there's so much just fertile storytelling ground. Mm -hmm. um, I would like that if it was the same crew. Let's say we watch a crew go through Starfleet Academy and that's season one. And then season two, uh, that crew gets stationed at a star base. And then maybe some war breaks out and season three, they all end up on a starship like fighting some war and then they prove themselves and season four, they get their own ship and then maybe they go off for the next few seasons on their own ship. Like that could be- Well, what about what about like uh, they do with American Horror Story where it's like the same cast and they're just cast in different roles? I, 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 can't, I can't handle that. No? No. Be <laughs> because the whole thing about Star Trek that I love so much is the canon. Yeah. I, I really enjoy- I really enjoy being in a universe that is consistent, that the more you learn about it, the more you know. Yeah. And if you have something where the more you learn about it doesn't matter because it changes the next season, that's going to frustrate me as a Star Trek fan. I want it to be consistent. I would, I mean, I would really enjoy something that's not in the Federation. Yeah. Uh, I would love to see a show about Garrick oh, God. <laughs> and the Obsidian Order, you know? Uh, like a show where Garrick is like this old... Uh, sort of like battle-hardened spy, <laughs> and he's training a new group of of young spies in the Obsidian Order, and the Federation is a part of it, but they're not the main focus. I would love to see Michael Dorn get Captain Worf off the ground. Yeah, uh, yeah I mean, there's there's so much that would be so cool to see, and I, it's interesting that like the Federation is all of these different worlds, but Starfleet is mostly human. Yeah. So let's see Star Trek through the point of view of the Vulcans sure. or or the or the Andorians or the Andorians Who absolutely that? like it's another species that's in the Federation but is not in Starfleet mm -hmm. that would be cool Bolians. too Bolians I love the Bolians me too the me Bolians too. are another of my favorite race I uh, mean a they just look cool they look great but b like the only thing that you really know about them is that they're super friendly and you know like yeah. Who doesn't Although, want to be like that? Right? The captain and the the bully and captain in conspiracy was uh, oh Ricks, yeah, not super friendly. Yeah. But Mister Mott, friendly yeah, man, yeah. <laughs> good barber. Well, actually, not really. He doesn't seem to be a very good barber, <laughs> well, but he's very chatty. Never trust a bald guy to cut hair. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Uh, man, but, but yeah, I, just getting something, anything, anything back on yeah, TV would be yeah. fantastic. Especially with you know the fifty year anniversary next year. Yeah, like there should be a new TV show announced for that, yeah. but we're, you know, we're not going to see it, but you know, that's one thing that uh, a lot of the fans are stepping in and doing. Like, there's, there is a huge renaissance in Star Trek fan films. We are going to hold right there and pick this conversation up next week. And we'll start right off with Star Trek fan films. We'll chat about that for a little while. Uh, super, super bizarre to come back and listen to this episode of us talking about what we want for a new series, and now it's fucking happening. It's craziness. Uh, it was, I mean, we talked about the potential of, you know, is it going to be on 
like a streaming service or, or a premium cable network and what's happening is kind of a hybrid of the two it's a new thing the show is going to be released on CBS digital which already exists but is not super popular so this is going to be sort of the flagship program for CBS digital to see if they can turn it into a competition for Hulu or Netflix so maybe it will give it the chance to flourish uh, as if it were on HBO or Netflix or something like that. Uh, we still have no idea what timeline this show is going to be in, whether it's going to be in the rebooted universe or in the original canon universe. But considering that Alex Kurtzman is going to be executive producer, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's safe to assume that it's going to be in the rebooted universe. Uh, I mean, if you ask me, I'd rather see us move forward, like I was saying earlier in this episode. Uh, I, I look at Star Trek as kind of our alternate version of our own future. So to continue moving forward in that future as we continue to move forward in the present, I think kind of pushes our society to be creative and innovative in the way that we think of our own future. And the fact that we all have you know, cell phones and like iPads is proof that Star Trek technology becomes real and becomes a part of our everyday life. So if we back up in the timeline, we don't have to make up new things. Uh, to use, which is kind of a bummer, because I think that that has you know, always been one of the coolest parts of Star Trek. As you move forward in time from the original series to the next generation, you get the holodeck. That's like this huge change in technology on the ship, and it really alters Star Trek from that point forward. So how cool would it be if they could go even further in the future, make up some new form of entertainment uh, that they all do on the ship? Because the holodeck is totally like what they do instead of watching TV. Uh, you know, they just live out their own TV shows. Maybe someday in the future I'll be able to live out Star Trek The Next Generation on a fucking holodeck. Ah, that was a beautiful, beautiful thought. I totally distracted myself from what I was saying. <laughs> anyway, uh, I would love to see it set in the future, but, uh, you know, like I said, considering that Alex Kurtzman is going to be running the show and he was one of the writers on the rebooted J.J. Universe, it's probably going to be in that timeline. Uh, a couple months ago, I was preparing myself to play a live show. I was performing with the Broken Cage Collective, which is this cool group of uh, performers we put on variety shows up here in Seattle. I've done three shows with them now. And I wanted to play the song Cold Dead World, which you might remember from episode four of the podcast when I played an acoustic version for Johnny Unicorn. Uh, so I, I put together this live synth version of that song that I performed, and I forgot that... As I was working on that, I recorded a bunch of my rehearsals because in order to run my sound in my apartment, I, I ran everything through my recording equipment. So I just pushed record while I was rehearsing and just recorded a whole bunch of takes of this song. And I found one that I really liked and thought I'd share it with you because it's, it's just cool. I'm not releasing this anywhere else. This take had a nice vibe to it. And I really liked it. So I'm going to share it with you and I hope you enjoy. So here it is. Cold Dead World.
cycles through my veins Visions Circuit brain. I travel far on bursts of life. Behind closed eyes, electric sound. Cool. 